welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss trailers, movies, TV shows, and all things pop culture. Today we'll be talking about HBO's House of the Dragons, Episode 7, Driftmark. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and Dunkaroos devotee, Ivan. Dude, whatever happened to Dunkaroos, are they still a thing? I think people make the dip now, like just without buying the you could you could make the dip and then buy like teddy grams and essentially you've created a cheaper see like just, that takes that takes me back <laughs> yeah I, I i used to love the packaging that little tiny little half circle of, of icing yeah <laughs> so healthy <laughs> <laughs> that was like a staple in the like the the lunch scene back in the day yeah along with lunchables at least where, yeah. where i grew up maybe if you had money <laughs> Yeah, Dude, I used to, like that. I used to envy the kids that would bring in like lunchables and all that. And then like uh when I was in San Francisco earlier this year, I like I was like, you know, I was at a Whole Foods and I was like, you know what, this is my time. I'm gonna grab a, a lunchables and have it for lunch. And I took it and I was having lunch with one of my coworkers and I opened it and it's the one with the little salted crackers with the ham and cheese, right? Ew. And I was so disappointed, obviously, right? It's not like good lunch, but one of my coworkers. Yeah, the pizza like, one's the one to get. Yeah, well uh, the I, I don't think I even want to try that. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just like a cracker with some marinara sauce. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it can't be good. It sparked a conversation, though, um, between me and my coworkers. And I was just like, you know what? I used to envy the kids that would sit in school and, and like have Lunchables. I guess the parents didn't care about them that much. <laughs> this is like one of the worst things I've ever had. It, it wasn't nutritious. And it was so expensive. I would rather just have my PB&J, my Cheez-Its. And yeah. occasionally a Dunkaroos. Yeah. The school PB&Js were pretty good, too. At least here in New York. Like, I thought they weren't they weren't bad. All right. So now, why don't we kick this uh, this episode off with uh, the What's on Your Wall segment. What are you getting into this past week? Ivan, anything fun? The Black Panther 2 uh, trailer came out recently. The, mm. the, the Supposedly the official one. But, like, that teaser was, like, pretty long, too. So I, I lose track of how they title these things. But uh, have you had a chance to check that out too? I did. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm in, uh, like I'm looking forward to this just because I thought the first one was really good. Um, and to be honest with you, I think this is the first time for a Marvel trailer that I've seen for this phase of movies where they're not putting jokes in the trailer itself. You get what I mean? Like it, it kind of yeah. like the, the tone is kind of like some of that classic Marvel um like i'm talking like winter soldier that kind of that kind of vibe um the kind of taking itself a little bit more seriously um so it looks good i feel like um i'm trying to temper my expectations just because of recent um you know quality of films and stuff but uh yeah this this is one i am looking forward to and it's an interesting decision i think they've made with uh choosing this movie to be the ending of phase four Mm. Uh, so I have I have expectations, but I'm trying to like you know calm that down a little bit. Um, we got a better look at Namor, and he, you know the wings on his feet are are, are put into play here. It looks kind of weird, just because I feel like from the comic books, I know that that's a thing, but to see it in live action is a whole other um, you know thing. And then we got our first glimpse at the at the new Black Panther at the end of the trailer, which I think, I don't think it's a spoiler to assume it's, it it looks like it's probably going to be Shuri. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm as like hyped for it as the first Black Panther, but that might also just be like my overall feeling about Marvel. It's just kind of like 
slowly tapering off. So this could, I mean, this could be something that revives it, though. So I don't know. Um, I think so. I I've come to a realization though, and I don't know if you kind of share these same thoughts, but I think I told you with, with like She-Hulk, like people are so divided. Like some people love it or they hate it, and there seems to be no in between. But I'm kind of coming into the point where I'm like, like Marvel's expanded so much now that like you have something for everybody, but not you like you don't have to be into everything and you don't have to watch everything, which is a departure from what we were kind of accustomed to. Yeah. So reading it like that, I still enjoy the stuff that they're popping out, but it's not like um, my concern is that. Like there was a quality consistency up here where it's kind of being a little bit brought down just because of the way that things are being played out here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I I don't remember the old trailer, like the trailers of old. Pretty much anything before Ragnarok. I don't really remember those old trailers, but um, you're right. This is like a very serious tone trailer, uh, which I think you have to do. You can't be like coming in with your one-liners if you're also doing a memorial for <laughs> for T'Challa the movie so I I like that it might be a little bit of a darker more serious tone because that's something that you know phase four has been a little bit too goofy at times like the only serious thing I would say is like uh Ben Falcon and Winter Soldier really yeah, I feel like it's gotten away from it a little bit. And like, mind you, I I like you know the the whole not taking it sort of seriously thing. But I think depending on the story you're telling, sometimes like that was mm-hmm. my big my big gripe with this last Thor movie was like there was a lot of times where like it felt like the jokes were played a little too long than they were supposed to. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't get enough time to simmer in some of that seriousness. Um, I thought like the Iron Man movies did a really good job of it. The Captain America movies balanced out humor pretty well. It's just that it feels like lately we've been kind of like tiptoeing into one direction or the other and just not balancing things out the way that we used to be able to. Mine is No Way Home and Shang-Chi. I feel like those two still followed that. Well, nice wall you got there. That's an improvement on last week's. You should see the other wall I got. (laughs) The fourth wall? Well, the piece of another wall. <laughs> <laughs> my, mine's hecka lame. I I haven't gotten into anything new. I I'm I kind of ended my catching up uh, phase of watching old like new shows and stuff. I've I've returned to the olds, and I've started rewatching House, the Doctor show with you, Lori. <laughs> wow, it's <laughs> like a it's like an old callback. But I just got in that mood where I was like, man, I want to see uh, some classic Hugh Laurie. You ever get the feeling that, like, if House were playing today, it'd be labeled as, like, extremely problematic just because it is some of the, like, bluntness that he used to go at with some of his patients in that show? Yeah. Although I think it might be casted with, like, a female lead. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> like, like a Ghostbusters or something, like, a just a total reversal. True. I mean, you know, now that you said it, though, like, somewhere out there, somebody somebody will eventually come across this in the next two or three years. They're like, you know what? I'm going to pitch Female House. <laughs> the Female House show. Female House coming to ABC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would watch it. Those shows are so good, though. Like, did you have any old, like, favorite, like, formulaic, like, detective or like mystery shows that were like the hour long dramas. Um obviously like honestly I've like I delved into NCIS here and there. Oh really? 
Yeah, but like I wouldn't stick to it. Like I wouldn't religiously watch it, right? Like it wouldn't be something yeah, yeah, yeah. like week to week. But if if NCIS is playing, I tend to just stick around and just watch what happens. Um, very definitely confused because the, the cast seems to change every couple seasons or so, right? But yeah, that well, that's what and, I like uh, about House because it was like a continued story in the background throughout. Having just like you could just pick up and watch any one of them. Yeah, but there's those like lots like or arcs of who's like messing with house like on the board of directors or like another doctor in the in the building uh so i, I kind of like those ones that have arcs yeah that's, I that's pretty lame the only one i kind of saw week to week and i was anticipating like every episode was not so much a drama it was more of a uh comedy but there's there was a show on usa called psych too i used to love psych man yeah i so good that was so good. I haven't seen the latest two movies that they've dropped. Like it, I oh, you like should. Stayed, you should yeah. go back. To, Are they good? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're good for like nostalgia shit sake, you know. Yeah, I haven't seen the actors come back in any form to like another. I mean, Dulé like, Hills always popping up and stuff. You will like to like headline another show or that kind of thing. Like it just it seems like they haven't uh, resurfaced in that way. I feel like Dulé is uh, what was. I feel like he was doing, like, Family Matter reboot or something like that. Is that a thing? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they rebooted Family Matters, but... <laughs> you keeping I'm up with Dulé? <laughs> <laughs> oh, The Wonder Years. That's what he's doing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen some... I didn't know he was in it, though. I'm not really on The Wonder Years, though. <laughs> on, it's not really on my timeline. <laughs> That's the Ton Cheadle narrating thing, right? Like, I think so, yeah. yeah. I think it was Ton Cheadle. All right, that's enough not knowing things and pretending like we do. So why don't we move on to, <laughs> to the meat and potatoes of the episode and talk about some hot D. This is my favorite episode so far. Honestly, like, I think this is a fair one to have that idea, like, that mentality with this show. Because, like, each one kind of just builds on the previous one. I think, although I think the one where Viserys is telling the secret about the blade to Rhaenyra is probably my favorite. What was that, like, three? No, that was literally the end of the first episode. All right, well, that was the best one. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first one's my favorite. <laughs> I liked, before this one, I thought, um, I think it was episode two when they have the confrontation on the bridge. I thought that That's was like my a episode. second long. <laughs> no, no, it, not for that reason. I thought that episode alone was like structured really well. Um, but th- that one was the one that I kind of felt was like my favorite. But this one, so before we get super into it, but like, I, I think. This episode has some of my favorite moments of the series so far. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't see <laughs> half of those favorite moments all that well. Yeah, don't watch it in a sunny room. You might have a glare on the TV and not be able to see anything. I increased the brightness in my television, <laughs> like, all the way. I was, like, squinting with it, like, right up against my face. Like, it was so bad. I don't know why they keep doing this in Game of Thrones. It was directed by the same guy who did the Long Night episode uh in season eight so i i guess that's just his forte right like uh but yeah i so let's just get into it man no one's coming to us pre-spoiler it's not like we're that pod no one is even listening to this you're just talking to me ivan see this is why we got to pivot to like the 35 (laughs) things you missed (laughs) you know like that should be the title of things (laughs) all right let me just start with like generally what did i like about this episode i like that we have every character that is of importance in this confined space 
and it's just so awkward. <laughs> I that's yeah. I really like like the political aspect of Game of Thrones and like the jockeying and and like who's going to get the upper hand at the end of the episode. Um, and that's just played out through this whole thing, but it's done on the that veranda or whatever you want, like balcony or whatever you want to call it. And it's just like I don't think they've ever done that where they've had everyone in one place. Like, the only other time I can think about is like the dragon pit when they're negotiating or, or informing Cersei about the army of the dead. Like that's the only time we've seen everyone in one place. Yeah. And I feel like in this, in a similar manner to the way like YouTubers will break apart, like every MCU movie for seven videos straight. I feel like I've seen a lot of people on social media dissecting just to, like even the non-dialogue scenes in this episode. Yeah. It, it's subtle things like and 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 I like the way that they play this out because it's what I really liked about the original series a lot. Um, but like things like, for example, um, Corliss's brother when he's giving the send off speech uh, for for Lena, right? Yeah. When he starts talking about how like the like how her daughters are like true blood, you know that that kind of right. thing. And he and he looks at Rhaenyra's kids. He's just staring at her the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, there's, and my favorite part about that is that Damon immediately starts laughing at that yeah. comment. And so, there's two ways to read it, right? He's either like in agreement with that, or the way that I kind of look at it is like he sees Corliss's brother similar to the way that he sees Otto, right? Where like they're both oh, yeah. like, they're both like, yeah, that, that, you know, I should be the heir to that, you know, to, for him, the, the high tide's thrown and for, you know, Otto, like he obviously has, wants the throne for his family. Um, which I think is really, really cool because, like, it also shows that, or it kind of throws me off because in the beginning of the series, I was like, Damon wants the, the throne, right? Like, that seems to be what he wants, right? But I'm also kind of torn because, like, either wants it or he's just able to recognize power hungry people and just doesn't really respect that, right? I can't tell, he's so chaotic sometimes, but there's like a perfect scene that kind of highlights that so subtly, uh, that could be seen as like a little throwaway thing. Oh, well, in addition to that, though, Damon has, I think, probably the best line of this whole series so far when he's passing Otto and he's just like, <laughs> even a leech that's had its fill will still thirst or whatever, like still look for the next meal. Like he is just so perfect. I had to rewind a couple of times and then finally put subtitles to actually capture what he's yeah. saying because <laughs> i'd catch every other word but it said so a little quickly too but yeah yeah there's just little gems like that that remind me why i love to keep watching this kind of stuff and it's just stuff that i'm not getting anywhere else at the moment well he's probably the best character on this show because like he's ambitious like you were saying where it's was kind of clear at the beginning he wanted the throne for himself and now it's either like he's accepting it, but maybe like he knows there's a path to it by marrying Rhaenyra and like executing that plan. But he's also like the most real. Like he's not like doing these subtle actions of like giving a speech at the funeral that will weaken someone else's position. Like that's just so lame and like beneath him. He's at least like the most honest character, I feel like, out of the yeah. show. Even though he's duplicitous as, as as no other, right? At the same time, he murdered his wife, you know. But um, at least, and I feel she like fell off he, a horse. He, he, <laughs> she was poisoned by her enemies. <laughs> 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 but 
but yeah, like I, I do think um, Matt Smith is also like a brilliant actor in most of the stuff that he's been in. So it's been it, it's been cool to kind of see him finally get a role where you can really like test his range. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know what it is about Matt Smith playing despicable characters all the time, and for some reason, like people will just like always gravitate towards him. I think it's like the charisma and stuff. Mm. I mean, he's got that look too. Like there, there's he's hiding something. He, he yeah. That so well. Yeah, he was hiding in Morbius too. <laughs> I don't know. I still haven't seen it yet. <laughs> don't spoil it. He has this one big scene. <laughs> Yeah, so I think he kills it this episode. Um, I can't be for certain because there were parts of his scenes that I just couldn't see in the dark. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't quite know what he did. Well, in uh, case there was you one. See it. Who did he kill? Yeah, okay, so yeah, let's get it. It happened so fast. Yeah. So I I missed that scene until I went back because things weren't really aligning, right? But It happened so fast. And then I was like, Okay, I think I got it, but I also missed some of these details. (laughs) In the beginning, I thought, like my first watch through, I I thought I was buying into Rhaenyra's speech about killing off Leonora. Like, I was like, oh, they they actually killed him. They killed him off, right? Um, But then we see at the end, Leonor's leaving with with his, uh, with with Carl. Um, Hi, I'm Carl. But then I had to go back because I missed that one scene. I was like, it's so he's killing somebody, like some knight some or random. some random dude that has a similar build to Lenor so that they could burn the body and then right. have it be him, right? But who was it? I don't know. Some throwaway guy, I guess. It should have been Sir Crispin. <laughs> well, I mean, call him Sir Crispin. And... <laughs> In case he's not, you know, uh, fully burned, there could be some questions as to who that was. Yeah. Well, the the sword fight seemed overly gratuitous. It was like... Yeah. Between Carl and and Lenor. So I definitely knew something was up, like, then. Well, it was perfect that it was a kid that witnessed it instead of, like, an adult, right? Who could have caught on to, like, yeah, this is, like... Acting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, Uh, like... Uh, why did the kid run out of the room? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the guards. Because <laughs> he knows Leonor can't actually fight. So he's like, <laughs> don't True. worry, my lord. True. I'll be back with help. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit of a departure, too, from um, from the books where he's he's actually killed um, by Carl. And there's a rumor that it was Rhaenyra who did it so like everybody basically is like oh no she like she kills him because that same night she marries um, damon right uh which they they changed it a little bit to the in this show where it's like she deliberately wanted it to be that like that's the case that's what people are talking about so that she can seem ruthless which i thought was a very nice um twist to that whole thing yeah uh, because, yeah, like w- w- one of the things that i was kind of concerned about coming into the show is like well if you read the story right like Nobody is a real sympathetic character in that story besides Rhaenyra's kids. Everybody else you don't sympathize with. Like, everyone's, like, really bad. <laughs> so you don't feel too bad at the end, you know, once everything's kind of done. Um, but adding that change, I feel like, adds... Like, the show is taking a narrative stance that, so like, yeah, you should be sympathizing with Rhaenyra. Um, which I thought was a, was a really nice approach to it. But beyond that, like, this is the first big step she takes to like 
cementing herself in that in the throne and she only does it because she's like in that close of a proximity with with Damon it feels like they just kind of bring that out of each other yeah I get the sense that like she's also got she's in this like mindset that she has nothing else to lose like it's kind of brushed past that she just lost you know her lover or like the side piece or whatever you want to call him (laughs) it's kind of like brushed over that like she just lost the per- the father of her children who she's been presumably like in love with for the past 10 years and now she's like at this funeral for her um i guess sister-in-law or or aunt aunt i think it is sister-in-law well her, that's his uncle her uncle so oh sister sister slash aunt-in-law yeah it's confusing with these guys but like <laughs> So she's see, like experiencing a lot of losses, and she's also got all these challenges. She doesn't have her best friend on her side, or actually her best friend is out to get her. So like, I think she's entering this period where it's like, I have nothing else to lose, and I'm only gonna like make these you know big bets and gamble big, and it'll pay off at the end. Like, she, she like flat out has this conversation with her father, and in front of everyone, like, my children are not. You know, they're legitimate and declare it and then have anyone else who says otherwise, you know, punished. Yeah, I, I, and I it pays off. It does. And I, I feel like she's um, it, it, it's an ironic kind of thing to, to look at, because right in the beginning of the show, she didn't have any interest in becoming the heir. Really, it was kind of like she didn't even think it was a possibility. Um, and it's ironic to me that the ambitions of others is what basically pushes her to be like, oh, no, yeah, it is mine. You know, all, you know, now she's going to fight tooth and nail to to get that throne. Whereas before, she probably would have allowed, you know, Allison and her kids to to take that spot. Yeah, it, that's so true, because it's so interesting what's driving each character. Like, Allison, I don't think she cares about her kids. <laughs> She no, just cares about, not. like, being morally right, but she's doing all these, like, she's going about it the entirely, like, the wrong way. And it's just revenge driving her at this point, whereas, like, Rhaenyra loves her kids and has no legitimate claim to the throne, like, at all. But she's going to, like, just dig in deeper because people are out there to get her. Well, she has the claim just because she's, like, the you know by blood it's it's hers right but be given the status of the world at that point yeah like as a woman technically you know she can get outclassed by any male heir um that said though i feel like um one thing one aspect of this whole thing the whole the the, the you see the seeds being planted with Rhaenyra's kids and then Allison's kids right like Rhaenyra's kids seem like the kids that like are actually loving you know <laughs> whereas Allison's kids are complete assholes, you know, like, or like, yeah, they're not like the most ideal or well-behaved kids, but, and they're also like, am, just as ambitious as her side of the family. I feel like the way that I kind of think of it is like, um, Allison's that, uh, that, you know, that, that girl, we all know that <laughs> gets married young, has has her kids has her family but doesn't really like the the lifestyle so she'll like you know she's very displeased about it whereas her other friend is like off living her 20s you know and doesn't settle down until later so she got to live her life and so like you're kind of resentful of it 
Well, and she um, also got to like court her own suitors too. Yeah, so, like, that's totally different than how Allison was kind of pressured into her situation by her father. Right. Whereas yeah. now she doesn't even see it that way, though. She's like sees it as like, um, you know, that was her duty. She had to do what she had to do. But she's still resentful and like basically is blaming Rhaenyra for the way that she feels, I guess. At least that's how it kind of reads. Yeah, I mean, I would challenge that the kids of Rhaenyra are loving because weren't they also in on the the prank with like the pig or whatever in the last episode? So they're not the most like <laughs> just kids, but they are on the other side of the spectrum from like Aegon and uh, and Aemon. Well, like compare that to like this um, the funeral scene here, right? Where he's uh, that exchange that the oldest uh, kid, the oldest son has with Rhaenyra, where she tells him, "Hey, like your cousin." could use some mm-hmm. cheering up and he's like yeah i could too you know because you know they're they're the, you know his legitimate dad's dad he's like we should be over in heron hall yeah um but the fact that he actually goes over and like makes the attempt to cheer like you wouldn't see that coming from allison's kids you know like no. there is that that thread there and you're right i feel like rhaenyra does legitimately love her kids whereas allison sees them as pieces in this in this chessboard right yeah um which is is sad and I got to give compliments to the kid actors here, right? Because, like, it's such a, like, you're, you're rolling such a big dice when you're, like, leaving scenes to kids. Because sometimes yeah. it works out really well, and other times it doesn't. Like, you know, having been on set with, with you know, with kid actors and all that in, in, in those types of projects, if a director doesn't know what he's doing or shies away from directing a kid, it's so hard to get a good performance out of the kid. Most of the time, it's because they don't, you know, they're not, nobody gives them the time to like try and work with them yeah, and i feel like, like here or ragnarok or uh or <laughs> love and thunder I mean. oh yeah sure <laughs> but like for this like the all the kids kind of like held their own every time you know the scene called upon them to 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 give a certain performance and i think that uh that contributed to that like raw um emotion especially towards the end when everything boiled over into that uh big fiasco in the in, in, inside of the scene but yeah that's exactly how i would describe it too because it's like this this tension has just been like on simmer for this entire point like six episodes and then these kids they're able to like turn it up one degree and just let it boil over and it just becomes this like blowout where it's it's certainly going to be i think next episode is going to be a big one <laughs> yeah also allison wasn't the instruction for her dad is to get Aegon ready to rule? This kid is like the most ill prepared <laughs> out of all. Like, like if if I were her, I'd be like, all right, you know what? I'm just gonna, you know, something will happen to the older kid. Don't worry about it. The second kid's gonna take it because he seems to be more, you know, at least able to play the game. Yeah. You know, like he kind of understands things. Although, like you see that those shades of like joffrey or like um what's his name uh ramsey from the original show in 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 the kid right like he you, you do see that like conniving aspects yep. of him well it is like the the targaryen flip of a coin right so it's like one's gonna <laughs> yeah. be good one's gonna be bad although aemon seems like he's putting his name in contention for being the bad one like i don't yes he has a point where like going after vagar to become his rider is like, yeah, you snooze, you lose. I went for it and it worked. 
So I get it, but it's also like line of succession. Like I think it was supposed to go to the daughter of whose funeral it is. <laughs> like Yeah. It was disrespectful for sure. Yeah. And the I think the fact that he was willing to like cause that much harm on his cousins, right? You know. Yeah. I thought it was very telling, obviously. And and you know, foreshadowing things to come. But I think um the the that whole scene I thought was really good, and thank God it was it was in the cave with with like you know torches, with some torches. See it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, that was such a good fight. Like I was like, oh my god, these kids are actually gonna kill each other here. Like <laughs> I I laughed a little bit though when like the four of them were beating him. Oh my god. <laughs> and how did they like, how did they still lose that fight? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. I feel I like technically uh, they ended up winning, but. Yeah, well, clearly he's been taking lessons from Sir Kristen Cole. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, the other thing that you had talked about last uh, week was the dragon seer. I forget her the daughter's name. Oh, Helena. He's like having these visions. What was her Helena. name? Helena. Yeah, so hers obviously came immediately true with like, you'll get a dragon, but you got to close one eye. Um so what was she saying this one? It was like something about like black and green twine fighting dragons, something dragons of flesh consuming dragons. Uh, it was, uh, dr- something about dragons consuming flesh or something. Yeah. Um, well, it's just signaling the, the, the dance of the dragons, uh, the whole conflict that's coming up, the, the blacks versus the greens, you know, fighting it up for the throne. Yeah. Um, She's I, I I love that they're just giving us enough of her, you know, to kind of like label her as like the mysterious, like what the hell's up with like what's her deal? Because clearly, <laughs> what's that girl in the corner doing with that spider? Yeah. <laughs> she's betrothed to her brother too, like the older one, which is I think a little funny given that Allison was very judgmental of like Rhaenyra and Damon earlier in the, in the yeah. show. Well, I think she was more of like you're not married. Right, but in the same strain of dialogue, she also talked about how, like, oh, it's, like, custom in tar- for the Targaryens, but maybe it's not the most proper thing. Yeah, I think it was more about the marriage thing. Yeah. <laughs> but and, I love... Yeah, go ahead. The second kid is clearly kind of, like, got the hots for his sister, too. Yeah, because he, he did say, like, he would be happy to do that duty, which is, like... Yeah, that's your sister. You guys are talking about. <laughs> There's other girls at this party you can talk about. <laughs> she, yeah, that that he gives me like serial killer vibes, and and I I I love it just because like that's kind of the whole you know like you said the Targaryen flip of the coin thing. Um, hell, he he gives me uh Viserys Daenerys's brothers uh vibes. Yeah, for sure. But uh, with more skill already. <laughs> you know right he, he still has that ambition but he he's smarter about it because i think the thing that like can be overlooked is the difference between these dragons like vagar is yes he's visually big but he's also like the oldest the most experienced like it, it's gonna be like no contest if he if anyone tries to like 1v1 him so right. when Otto says, like, that kid doesn't know what he just did for the family, he means it. Like, we ne- we now have the most powerful piece uh, if we have to go to a fight. Right. And it's supposed to be, I think, the third largest dragon besides 
the original Aegon's dragon. Which that's also an interesting piece of this too. Like this is this is the one dragon left alive that was alive for the the conquering of Westeros like two hundred years before that. Right. It's such a shame, <laughs> you know, that like something like that isn't retired, you know, and like treated a little bit better than just like another <laughs> retired. It's true though. Like now, gotta keep gotta keep working. <laughs> he essentially just got a nuclear weapon for his family. Yeah, like. Yeah, like ten nukes. Because <laughs> this thing is way bigger than like Drogon. I don't know if you've like looked at any of those like yeah. dragon size comparison pictures, but this thing is massive. <laughs> There's, I got like a, I don't know where it is, but um, someone gives me one a those... printout. Like, <laughs> no, a friend of mine got me this like coffee table book. I don't think I have it here, but um, it it, it has this little grid showing the scale of all the dragons from the books. And it's like Drogon is supposed to be the size of an Airbus, and like this, uh, what you call it, um, Vagar is the size of like ten Airbuses. <laughs> I'm like, damn. And Balerion is supposed to be twenty buses. So I was like, who rode that thing? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, we also were talking a little bit about Allison. Uh, what an epic fail just in so many ways at that like court scene where she's like one calls on Kristen Cole to like take the eye of the kids. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that <laughs> right in front of everyone. So like, he's only loyal to a degree, but I don't know if that actually helps him. Cause now she knows like something about him that she can definitely like blackmail him with. Yeah. I, um, I, I I tend to wonder though, like if if nobody else was there, like in the books, this whole scene plays out in private, mm. like only like they're there, and 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 I think he does try to to take the eye, um, but I feel like this being in a more public setting this way, uh, it definitely does uh, highlight that. Kristen is a simp, but to a certain degree, you yeah. know, like he's not gonna cross some lines. Like he gave her this look. He's like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> right <laughs> please here. don't, please don't ask that of me. <laughs> please, don't put me in the middle of this. Now, I think he does. Like he does give a look, like he's considering it. And then when like the Lord Commander looks over at him, he's like, "No, nah, I've I like forsake or forsake my vows once. I'm not gonna do it again." Right. I also love that it was Damon that stops him too from going in. Yeah, like, this whole time, Sir Kristen's always like, "Oh, I am battle tested and all that." Yeah, one battle, right. according to like everything that's gone on. But then, like, here's Damon who's been doing a lot of battling these last couple of years. Like, yeah, that would be a good fight to see there, for sure. I just don't get why nobody stopped Allison when she's approaching the princess with. A knife like everyone was like holding each other back like you can't just let them duke it out what are you doing i think that was just a demonstration too of how weak the king has been you know like at any point he could have had her like that's that's an executable offense yeah you know and and you know even we see like historically too like that has ha- like when that has happened the queen has been put to death even princes were put to death over the, that type of offense um but then here you have uh, you know, this king would like would rather not kind of deal with it. And I feel like that that ultimately is what his biggest flaw is, right? Like yeah. some people were comparing him to Ned Stark, and I was like, mm, Oh, far no. from it. 
he's he just doesn't do any action. He's, yeah. He, his only thing is just to yell like enough. We're not fighting about this. And I get it because he takes that like that vision so seriously of like House Targaryen has to be together because uh, that's how he inherited the throne is like we cannot fight against each other. We have to just fall in line with each other and survive so that when the long night comes, we're ready because we're going to be the ones who stop the end of the world. And that's like all he's ever focused on is like stop fighting with each other. But I don't think that gets communicated at all. Well, I, I've speculated since talking about this in the first episode, but like, I wonder if we're going to show that this is the generation that loses that prophecy, right? Because Rhaenyra wouldn't tell that to Aegon, right? Right, like, and so that's this is why nobody knows about it in Game of Thrones. And like, as a matter of fact, I think, um, at least in the books, you find out that um, uh, Rhaegar. Daenerys' older brother only found out about it because he was so like bookwormish. He found it and he he found traces of it with uh, books from the Maesters or something. Yeah. So he knew he knows at some point, which means at some point this knowledge gets lost. I wonder if it is here though, because Rhaenyra also I can't tell if she if she takes that prophecy to heart. I don't or think it's so. Just, no, right? Because it seems to me like one of those things where like you know a parent will be like telling their kids something super important. And the kid's like, yeah, this is just one of your old, you know, old stories or whatever. Like, it doesn't really put too much weight to it. Which would be end up being ironic because, like, yeah, that like that that just that knife that um, ironically is used here too <laughs> mm-hmm. is what ultimately is gets used to take down the Night King, and yet it's far from Targaryen hands by the time we get to to Game of Thrones. I do. Um, I I want to say one thing. Um, I feel like the the time jumps got a little justified here. You know, just based off of how quickly we're getting we're getting through some of the setup. I'm a little torn. We have like three episodes left of this show. Um, are we going to see the beginning of the Dance of the Dragons, or are we not? Because in the preview to this next episode, it looks like we have another time jump because those kids aren't all kids anymore. Um, it it just uh, I'm a little concerned about how fast we're going. At the same time, I I do want to see that just happen. Uh, but how are you feeling about the the actors? Because I feel like that's something we didn't really touch on last week. But you know, clearly, like all the men stayed the same, which is a little ridiculous. But uh, we did see a lot of these characters age up, and. In particular, Rhaenyra's actress. Like, how are you feeling about her? Like, do you think it's uh, she's been doing a good job taking over for uh, it looks like Millie Alcock before, or do you kind of miss uh, miss her in the role? Yeah, I, I, for the first point, I do agree that I guess I'm starting to not mind the time jumps as much. Like, I think the the pace. It, it helped the pacing. Like, otherwise, we're going to be dragging on 10 years worth of content into just the first season. And then it'll take, like, five, six seasons to get this all done. Um, but if we keep jumping like this, why not just make it a single season thing and just make it, like, 11 episodes or 12 episodes? Uh, I feel like it could be achieved in one go at it. I don't think you need, like, what is it slated for, like, three seasons or something like that or four? 
Um, I think it's only been like a second season has been has been greenlit, but we don't know anything else beyond that. Yeah. So either way, like I don't know if you have to wait another probably it's gonna be like a year and a half, two years before we get the second season. So I don't mind if we jump another ten years and just quickly fill us in with what the changes are. Um and then show us more of that like political jockeying and the dragon fighting and whatnot. Um or slow it down now so that it paces well into the um, end of the season. But I also don't know where the books go. So I don't know like how much is left for it. Like, is there enough to fill up a few more episodes of slow moving or is it like, we, we just need to move on type of thing. No, the, the, the war is lengthy. Like there's a lot that happens. Uh, there, like yeah. there's characters that haven't even been introduced yet that are very like, we haven't even seen the Starks yet. Um, we saw them once. No, but I mean, I mean, like getting to know the actual characters. Um, yeah, we haven't seen them. We haven't seen the Baratheons play too much of a role. We we did see the the, the main lord of the house, but mm-hmm. uh, like they play a big role. Um, we've only seen like a little bit about of the Lannisters. So like the war lasts for a little bit, but um, I I wonder because like there was an interview with George R. R. Martin, the you know the author of the books, where he talks about how. Well, he, he kind of hinted that there's a reason why they call the House of the Dragon and not Dance of the Dragons. Um, and basically, it was kind of alluding to, like, they might make this a show that will tell different stories on, in different seasons. So, like, we might have the Dance of the Dragons for two seasons. We then might move on to, like, the Duncan and Egg stories. Uh, so, like, a Mandalorian style of, like, we can pull in different people's arcs and whatnot. Yeah, but it'll be, like... From telling the story from it. now all the way until Game of Thrones, so like we'll yeah. stop right as uh, Daenerys is born or something like that. So I think I think that would be interesting. There's a lot of story to tell there. At the same time, I don't know. Like I feel like um, it might be it might be a little rushed if we if we look at it that way. At the same time, like you said, condensing everything into pockets might sometimes be the best. Yeah. Um... And then for your second question there about the actors, I think that the casting did a great job. I think they not only like look similar, but the way that they talk um, makes sense for like what a character's progression would make, like be from 10 years ago to now. If all these circumstances happen to them, I think they pick up on all those like little details that you can't see. So you have to just show and like portray. Um, I think they're killing it. It is weird that like, only the women were uh, recasted uh, in certain areas. So it doesn't totally make sense. I also don't get how the king is still alive, but that's probably a different podcast. Yeah, the king ages very, very quickly in a not so pleasant <laughs> way. Um, but he one, should be like, he should just be dead. <laughs> one, one question for you, because like, so Game of Thrones originally had like a ton of side characters, you know, like characters that aren't necessarily like, they're telling their own full story. There, there were very few characters in the original Game of Thrones um, that were like B and C characters that didn't get some sort of uh, you know arc. But like besides the main players in the show, is there any character that you're very interested to see? I guess more than the others as to where they end up or or how things are going to play out with them. I feel like we're never going to see Lenor again. I would have <laughs> liked. I would have liked to get more about him and why. 
like what that fallout looked like. Uh, they addressed it a little bit in this episode of being like, we tried to do the duty. Like we were talking about that last week where it's like, did they even, did they even try? Cause it seems like they both just went their own ways. But what we were seeing is like 10 years later, uh, what that fallout looks like when, you know, you try for a couple of years and nothing's happening and you realize it's not working. So like eight, seven years after that, obviously you're just going to enjoy your own spoils. But, um, I would have liked to see his adventures because it seems interesting, but it's also might just be boring where it's just him at like taverns. Um, <laughs> but I think seeing where he goes next could be cool to see. Well, he's heading to Essos, right? Or, right. or Pentos, whatever they call it. All those cities, free cities have really weird and similar sounding names. Yeah. I The one character I don't like at all is this uh, the guy who killed his father and brother. I don't know his name. Uh oh, the the club foot dude, right? Um, yeah, who like offered Laris. to get the eye for Allison if she so desired it. It's like, dude, stop offering to like kill people for her. She, that's not <laughs> what she wants right now. <laughs> Laris is that one creepy coworker that everybody's like, okay, well, there's I something can get you that if you want. Right, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, he he's definitely one to to kind of watch too. Like, I see so many people being like, he's like the little finger of this, but it's like, he's worse. <laughs> yeah, let's see, little finger, I, I feel like he at least had a, he had like this, he treated it almost like a dance, right? And like this guy, he's more like sadistic in the way that he does things. Yeah, little finger was ambitious with direction. Like, he, we knew what he wanted. He wanted to be on the throne. However far-fetched that dream might have been, he was like, it does this move me closer to that dream? This guy is just like, I just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm I've been rather like attached to uh, Lord Corliss. I feel like he's been the one that's kind of grabs my attention the most. because uh, he seems to be like like I gotta I gotta give him props to like obviously not caring about Rhaenyra's kids being, you know illegitimate yeah. he's still like yeah well they they carry my last name they're gonna inherit the, the seas which by the way i thought that was a really nice little scene between him and lucerus when he's telling him that he's gonna be the the heir and the kid's like it. i don't want it <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is interesting because like the other thing about him is like his counterpart the queen that was that never was she's moved on she's just like i just want to live a good life and make sure my kids and my grandkids like she's if you look at that funeral she's the only one who can grieve and also can like realize i need to be there for others and like goes over and comforts the grandchildren properly whereas like Corliss is like worried about how his name is presented by um Lena like sobbing in the sea and like he like it's so interesting that the those two are paired together only her legitimate grandchildren, though, because she does these seem to carry some level of like uncomfortable disdain for her for Rhaenyra's kids. Yeah, I think she's also like an honor person, and yeah, she is like dishonorable. Um, whereas you're right with Corliss, he's like, I don't care. They have my name. That's all history is going to remember. <laughs> they don't care if they actually look like the parents or whatnot. Like as long as they do great deeds and are in power our our house is in power then he's also made the most reason like he is overly ambitious for sure but i feel like he's he's had the most reason out of everybody to be like hey this issue that's going on over here it's affecting trade we should probably do something about it <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, so he I, is a cool story for sure. I'm gonna like him as my my favorite side character until the Starks come into play. I feel like oh, yeah. things are gonna With shake that up. Snarling. My name's Rickon. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even like the guy to watch out for. I think it's his son, uh, Cregan Stark, that will I think be a lot of people's favorite character. Hmm. Credence? Uh, Credence. Uh, Cre- <laughs> Cregan. Cregan Stark. Oh, even better. <laughs> uh, it's Cregan. Okay. Whatever you say. But this show is moving along very quickly too. So I, you know, I'm I'm very excited to see what happens next. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens at the end of the season because I have a feeling there's one significant event that happens in the beginning of the war that I feel like will cap off this season and will be a perfect cliffhanger to leave us into season two, which which is where I hope we spare no time and just get right into the dragons killing each other and like people betraying one another and more and more funerals. <laughs> Sounds a bit sadistic, uh, but <laughs> but here's the only thing I would like to disagree is I don't know if I'm that excited. Like at the end of these episodes, I'm not like, oh, man, next Sunday is going to be awesome. Like, nothing's really shown me where it's like it gets me hyped up because they're all just build up. And I need to see one exciting thing. Like, and I know this is unfair. and We'll talk about this in another episode. But like Rings of Power every week, they're leaving me with something where I'm like, oh, man, next Friday is going to be amazing. I can't wait already. And like Sunday or Monday will come around. And I'm like, oh, man, we're we're not close enough to the next episode. Like House, House of Dragons isn't doing that for me. It's funny you say that because I've had the opposite. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because I, I could have sworn and I, I'll have to go back and listen to it. But like, I thought we were on like, right? Like you were most looking forward to House of the Dragon versus Rings yeah. of Power or where we both aligned. Because like, I was looking most forward to Rings of Power. And I've been enjoying the show. It's just that it hasn't quite grasped me the way that this show has and i can't really put my thoughts into words yet in terms of why i think for me it's because rings of power is like what the like pre last jedi where you have all these like fan theories and you're like getting excited about who's which character this i I, yeah i didn't read the uh, dance of the dragons books but like i vaguely know where we're going with this so it's not as exciting because they're kind of like dragging their feet at times and then also like going full sprint. There's like no, you know, smooth pacing to this, it feels like. Yeah, I the the one thing I will just say, though, like there were the, Rings of Power is like an all original series, right? There's nothing it's really tying into too much. But they've broken the lore so many times that it's it's which I'm cool with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which you know, I think for the sake of of it being a TV show and for the sake of other limitations they've had put on them, it makes sense. But there are certain things that are a little too jarring of changes that I'm kind of like, wait, <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, and we'll we'll get into. I do want to dedicate a whole episode to talk about Rings of Power, at least like the so far um right. point. Uh. But I like the Isildur thing is getting to me a bit, but it's just <laughs> yeah. It's let's just, let's do another episode on that. At, at least yeah. for this one, I I do agree. I'm not saying this is a bad show at any measure because I I do enjoy watching it. It's just like I don't have that excitement where as soon as the credits roll, I'm like, next week can't get here soon enough. Um, which I don't know if Game of Thrones was like that because 
I think towards the end it was because I was looking forward to like the endings in sight. But if you look at like within a season, there were times where you can like you could put the show down for a bit and come back to it tomorrow. I feel like for me, season two and on was leaving me with that. Like the, oh my God, I can't wait until next season. But season one, especially when I looked yeah. when I was rewatching it early this year, it felt like a self-contained story in each episode. And it left me full, you know, like I'm, I'm good. There's right. no, I'm not like craving too much more. I feel that for this too. And I'll agree with you on that. Like, it's not leaving me with too much that I'm like, oh, I can't wait for next week. It's more so like, oh, thank God it's Sunday again. We got another Game of Thrones. Uh, but it's not like I'm counting the days to it. Like, th- it hasn't done that just yet for me. It, it's honestly probably because these aren't cliffhanger endings. Like, Rhaenyra and Damon getting married is not like a, a dragon, you know, fighting another person and, like, they cut it to black there. Right? Like, it's not like, ooh, what's going to happen right now? It's It's more of like, okay, so this is where we're at. Let's see how that continues on later on. Right. Also, this is... Is it just like I just realized like like Daenerys and John it was like aunt and nephew, and then with this relationship it's uncle and niece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like leave it to Game of Thrones to be like, hey, are you gonna support incest or not? <laughs> and wink right at the audience and they're like, well, it doesn't matter. We're going in this route anyway. Yeah, I feel like there's less uproar now than when it was John and Daenerys. <laughs> Like, I don't see anyone being upset that, like, oh, this is incest. Like, either we're, war- like, we're warming up to the idea of it because of John and Daenerys, or maybe it's because, like, I think they had a much more passionate love, whereas this seems more like a practical. It's because it's Matt Smith. Probably. Yeah. I mean, like, who wouldn't want to commit incest with Matt Smith? Okay. Well, and on that <laughs> note, <laughs> let's get out. Let's get out of the booth. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep this train rolling next week with our thoughts on episode eight. Until then, thanks, thanks for, listening. for listening.